The Impact Radio Show with Timothy Moore. News, talk, commentary, and interviews. Insightful, impactful, and engaging. Here's Timo. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Impact Radio Show. I am Timo, and that is a familiar ditty there from the Pretenders. And if you have not heard the news of the passing of Rush Limbaugh, then I suppose you're living under a rock because all day today it has been headline news everywhere around the country. And that song from the Pretenders and the classic, you know, Chrissy Hines group there was the opening song for, oh, I don't know, nearly almost, what, 25, maybe even 30 years on the Rush Limbaugh show on the EIB, the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. And I think it is fitting and fair to say that Rush Limbaugh was, in fact, the grand poobah of the airwaves. He was and will remain always credited to the advancement of conservative thought on the radio and the saving of the amplitude modulation known as AM radio, folks. If you didn't know that's what it stood for, that's it right there. AM, amplitude modulation, FM frequency modulation. But before Rush Limbaugh came on the radio, AM radio was pretty much going the way of the dodo bird. It was going away. It was going to become a relic and relegated to the history's past, just like the dinosaurs or something. But then came this guy, Rush Limbaugh, who began to speak of conservative values in the 1980s during the time of the Reagan administration. And people, one thing for sure, he was very polarizing. You either loved him or hated him because Rush Limbaugh was an equal opportunity offender. But many, many people around the country, both conservative and liberals, owe a great debt of gratitude to Rush Limbaugh because he revitalized a media known as talk radio. And even NPR and other competitors on the left side have to say, they may not say it, but it would be true and appropriate to say that in the competition of Rush Limbaugh comes the other side and their point-counterpoint, right? So liberal shows such as NPR and others owe their existence to the fact that Rush Limbaugh gives them a platform as an opportunity to show or give the other side. So he was the conservative side, then you had the left side on radio all over the country. Before Rush Limbaugh, you didn't have much of that, folks. So he advanced the political discourse in the United States greatly. And this talk show host, Timo, feels also, as so many have all day long, that he was a great, great thinker, a great humanitarian, a great giver to many different charities, and he simply advanced the very idea of the First Amendment free speech. And it's a remarkable thing, folks. It really is. 
And like I said, Rush Limbaugh was loved or hated. He, very few would say that he was in between. Although uh, a lot of liberals have said some pretty nasty things on Twitter and so on today, and I don't know whether I'll talk about that much or not, but uh, they're nasty. I'll say that for sure. I mean, the body's hardly cold, and they're already, like, dissing this guy really bad. But there are far, far more out there who are saying kind words and recognizing the contribution that this man had to the radio world and to the political discourse, as I said, and to the advancement of ideas on both sides, quite frankly. But I'll tell you, for all that he did to advance the radio and this media and this voice that is on the air by literally hundreds of us who do this every day, more remarkable still are the number of people who talked about, and I'm talking about liberals now, who said, you know, when I needed something, Rush Limbaugh was there for me. He called me. He asked me, how's your family? How's your wife? How's your kids? Whatever. And that right there, folks, this is, this is what I love. The great story of Rush Limbaugh is not his radio career. To be honest with you, that's a secondary story. Because the great story is the story of the man not just behind the microphone, but the man outside of the studio. The man who picked up the phone and would call somebody who was completely on the opposite political spectrum of him. That's amazing because that's what's missing today. In the divide, in the discourse we're having now, we're starting to have vitriol and hatred and we hate each other. And that's the reason the left side says on Twitter things like, I'm glad he lived long enough to get cancer and die. I mean, who says something like that? That is beyond the pale, okay? But many have actually said, and I'm talking about those on the left, that he was really there for them and, and what a great guy. Now, they didn't agree with his positions politically, but they said as a person, as a human being, he was a good guy. You know, that's the way it should be. We should be able to have the discourse and the dialogue and butt heads and all these kind of things. But at the end of the day, still slap each other on the back and say, hey, man, I appreciate you. You see, Rush Limbaugh would be nothing if it weren't for liberals. OK, he needed them. He needed something to talk about. <laughs> I remember one time when he went on the Phil Donahue show and Phil Donahue actually tried to say to him, this was at the, right around 1980, actually, or I'm sorry, 1990, excuse me. And, uh, hey, hey, Roger, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you look up Phil Donahue and see if you can find him interviewing Rush when he said it's over for you, Rush, because there's a new regime now and he's referring to the Clinton administration. And Russia's response was, was really telling. But it's very true because liberals are out there. We all know that. And conservatives are out there. We all know that. But at the end of the day, Rush Limbaugh would have no show if it wasn't for, uh, for the liberals, right? He had to have something to talk about, something to talk against. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. But at the end of the day, you should be able to look at your liberal brethren and still say, but I love you. I care for you. I want to get along with you. Maybe on the air we go tit for tat and all these kind of things. 
but we don't say we want to kill you. We don't say we're happy you died. I mean, that's there's no place for that. That's ridiculous. It's up. It's it's you know it's upsetting. It's wrong. But it seems to be the way things are today. And what I what I really appreciate was a guy like Limbaugh. He rose above that. He would speak truthfully. He was braggadocious. Yes, he was an equal opportunity offender. And I can only hope that I could offend nearly as good as him. <laughs> but you know what? I I don't think I do. I probably do. I try to. But I think. He was so articulate and so smart and so up-to-date on the current events that, uh, I'll tell you, those would be some big shoes to fill, believe me. And I can only hope to do this job as good as the greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh. I mean, he is the ultimate radio goat, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. And I'll tell you what, man. You can love him or hate him, but you cannot dismiss him. Now, all day long, the country has been talking about the death of Rush Limbaugh. So, you know, I'm the late, the latecomer to the party, as it were, because this show airs late in the day. But nonetheless, I'm going to give it its due because it needs to be talked about. You see, there are some times in life when I say all the time inside of you is the unlimited capacity to to do great things. Well, Rush Limbaugh exemplified that. This is a guy who was quoted all the time as he has talent on loan from God. Oh, nothing frosts the liberals more than that. Who is this guy? He's so arrogant. He thinks, you know, he's got God's talent. Ah, 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 not so fast. Because that's not what he meant. When he says talent on loan from God, now folks, he explained this in an interview. It's because he recognized all true talent actually comes from God. God is the ultimate creative talent, right? Look around at the world. He's the creator. He made all this stuff. He's the ultimate artist. Therefore, Rush was saying he got just a little piece of that. God loaned it out to him so that he could have a little bit of talent himself. He tried to be great at what he did on the radio. The unlimited capacity to do great things, he did that. He not only was so good and so articulate on the air, but he would take us even further to uh, the, the advancement of the ideals and the advancement of a thinking that could get you to go, huh, hmm, you know, scratch your chin, scratch your head, and kind of cock to one side and say, wow, I never thought about it like that, you know. And whether, again, you loved him or hated it, he can make you think. Okay, he could, and he did bring the excellence in broadcasting to the radio every single time he was on the air. He was never slack. He was never one to uh, put himself in a uh, sort of lazy stance, as it were. No, no, no. This guy worked hard. This guy brought his very best every single time he was on the radio. He studied the issues. He was up on the current events, and he brought that dynamic to the air every single time he was on. Now, folks, he didn't just do it for one hour like I do. I'm one hour, five days a week. He's three hours, 
five days a week. Oh, that I could be on for three hours and earn a living. But I don't know if I could do it. I probably can, but it's hard to do even one hour. Talk straight through for an hour. It's not easy to do, folks. And then there's guys like uh, Rush who come along and they do it for three hours. It is amazing. And then they don't just talk for three hours, but they produce great content as well. That was Rush Limbaugh. Just a really consummate professional, and I respect that. And yes, he went on to be on something like, I think he was on like over 1,200 stations across the United States. Can you imagine that? Making himself a household name and making an incredible living into the multi-millions of dollars. Yeah, folks, because he brought in so much advertising revenue that he was more than worth it in the minds of those who signed the contracts with him. You know, that inspires me. You know, the thing about greatness and great people, great leaders is they inspire us to greatness. He inspires me. He raised the bar of excellence in broadcasting to the point where somebody like me looks at that and says, well, that is the target. That's the goal right there, to attain something as great as that or greater. Because he raised that bar really high. His standards were very high. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of man I want to be to be successful. Raise the bar. Raise the standard. Get out there and really push yourself hard. Now, sometimes you can push yourself really hard and you don't achieve your goals in the way you had hoped. But that's part of life. Life can knock you down really hard, too. But it's in life, getting knocked down is normal. The question then is, how do you pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, and keep going? You know, Rush Limbaugh started out as just a very unknown local talk show host in Sacramento, California. But quickly his show began to garner great respect and listenership. And then people came along and said, you know, we think we could syndicate you and put you out across the country. And that was at a time when nobody was really doing that, okay? And he's like, sure, why not? Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) If I got that offer right now, if somebody came to me right now and said, okay, Tim, we're going to put you on 200 stations, but here's the deal. You got to do this for three hours a day, and we're going to give you a staff. You're going to have an admin. You're going to have a couple of research people. You're going to have a salesperson. And you're going to have a team. You got to lead that team and you got to make it happen. You got to get out there and you got to promote, 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 and you got to make this thing. I would take that deal in a heartbeat. But you know what? I don't sit around and make excuses that, oh, I don't have a staff. I don't have this. I don't have that. And then say, but that's the reason I can't be successful. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. Because I get to choose whether I will be successful or not by how I conduct myself. I'm going to be a professional on the radio, and I'm going to be a professional outside of the radio and do everything I can to succeed. It's not easy, folks. This isn't just like a little 45-degree angle climb. This climb is practically completely 
uh, vertical, <laughs> straight up, and without ropes, freestyle climbing, okay? Hey, if I slip, aha, I'm going to crash, you know. But that's when you just decide, you know, make sure you put your parachute on kind of thing. You, you always got to find the way to succeed, okay? Because if you fall, slip and fall and you make it down to the bottom again, well, then you just get back and climb again. That's the way you got to do it, okay? Now, Rush Limbaugh was that kind of guy. He never shied away from what was hard. You know, folks, that's the thing about success. Never, ever shy away or move away from what is hard. Embrace what is hard because what is hard is what will make you be successful. Trying to take the easy way out, you're never going to get anywhere. You might as well be just like, you know, my car was on the snow here at the studio, spinning your wheels but not going anywhere. Now, who wants to do that? Not me. That's why I admire Rush Limbaugh. He's a great man. So where are we at, Roger? Did you find the clip or no? You couldn't get in, couldn't get it on there? Yeah, okay, no worries about that. Uh, so I'll just tell you then, folks, since we can't find the clip, this is what happened when Rush Limbaugh went on the Phil Donahue show. I'll never forget it. It's indelibly written in my brain. It's etched there. Because Phil Donahue, he wants to gloat. The great Rush Limbaugh, who for a decade in the 80s, during the Reagan administration, became an iconic figure on the radio, now was going to be on the radio when there was a liberal president, Bill Clinton, in the White House. And he comes on the air at the invitation of Phil Donahue, and Phil says, Hey, Rush. Hey, Rush. It's over for you, buddy. There's a new regime in Washington. There's a new sheriff in town, sir, and it's over for you. Happy days are here again, is what he said. And then he played the song. Because he is so arrogant. And Rush just sat there and took all the mockery. And then he held up his hand and he goes, uh, excuse me, Phil, Phil. In that classic sort of, you know, larger than life, Rush Limbaugh sort of way. Phil, Phil, I tell you what, Phil, this is just getting started for me. <laughs> I love that. That is where I got the line that I'm going to have so much fun with Joe Biden being in the White House for four years. That is not original with Timo. I got the idea from Rush Limbaugh from that show. And you know what? The ratings for Limbaugh went into the stratosphere in the 1990s for that eight years of the Clinton administration. You talk about a never-ending trough of stuff to suck up. <laughs> oh, Bill, what'd you pour in the trough for me today, buddy? You know, and that's exactly how I feel about Biden. Biden, what you pouring in that trough that I can suckle on and then talk about on the radio that's going to make me look great and make Joseph Biden look like a doofus? Well, he does that without my help, believe me. But it only makes my job easier. <laughs> you know, preparation when you get that kind of guy in the White House is a whole lot easier on the radio than when you get a guy who's really actually good at the job. All right, so folks, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to pivot a little bit. I'll still talk about Rush slightly, but we're going to pivot 
and then talk about, because the best way to honor Rush Limbaugh is to actually get into the issues. So I'll be talking about a story that is, well, folks, let's just say you're not allowed to eat meat. So we're going to talk about this new thing I'm starting called the International Society for the Preservation of Plants' Rights right here on the Impact Radio Show. We'll be right back. Yeah, let me tell you something, folks. Rush Limbaugh was definitely the modern-day warrior, the Tom Sawyer, right? And I got to tell you something, folks. I relish that. That is so beautiful, man. I, You know, his mind is not for rent. Don't you love that? And I, and I want to be like that. You know, I want my mind to be pure, to have clarity of thought, to, as I look at the issues, to, to really be able to grasp the importance of the things that we're talking about on the radio. And that was Rush Limbaugh, man. And I'll tell you something, Rush. Thanks for what you did for all of us. You were a trailblazer, man. You went out there and you just paved the way for the rest of us. And, you know, when you're the first guy to forge into the jungle with the machete, right, and you are chopping away at all the bamboo and and all those trees and everything to make a path, that's when it's really hard. But the guy coming up behind you doesn't have to chop so hard because you blazed the trail already for them. That was Rush Limbaugh. It's easier for us today to do what we do because he was the pioneer who actually got out on the trail first and cleared the path for the rest of us. And I thank you for that, sir. And may you rest in peace in heaven and be with God Almighty and and uh well, you know what? Raise a little hell in heaven, I suppose. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm joking about that. But seriously, I, I would love to see, you know, one day, you, you know, where I'm sitting around with him and we'd be like, you know, clucking our cheek. Hey, man, you remember when we blah, blah, blah? And he, yeah, that was amazing. And then, you know, God's like, well, you know what? You really weren't all that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because, you know, God always keeps us humble, folks. All right. So anyway, uh, now, in order to really, truly honor Rush Limbaugh, the best thing I can do is to, to do what I do. Just talk about these issues, these very important issues that relate to our life and how they affect our life. And one of those folks I want to tell you about, I read this story and I just shook my head. You've got this story coming out about uh, Bill Gates and he's interviewed by Anderson Cooper. And he starts to talk about how, oh, you know, I think that rich countries and those of us in rich countries, well, we should give up eating meat, he said, because uh, it's not good for the environment. It's not good for you. It's, it's you know, cows are ruining the environment. Also, you know. But we still have to let the, the, the underdeveloped countries, they have to eat meat. They don't have a choice. So they get to still eat their pork and their chicken and their beef and all these things, right? 
And the first thing I thought about was like these sanctimonious liberals, these holier-than-thou, high-water-mark sort of liberals that are so like uppity about everything because they got their billions of dollars and they've got all this money and they forget that they made all their money on the backside of employees at companies that were building products and making things that, uh, oh, I don't know, polluted the environment. Folks, Microsoft is a great company and I would never take anything away from them. They're, they're a great company, but let's face it, the software that is the backbone of the company that works on a platform known as a PC, a personal computer. Well, the personal computer went to all-time sales, okay? They are everywhere in every house. And the circuit board, the PCB, printed circuit board, it's called. Oh, I know all about this because I was a technical trainer for a prominent Japanese company in the area of photolithography for a long time. And I will tell you something. This technology is amazing. But the printed circuit board itself, do you have any idea how much the manufacturing of a printed circuit board actually pollutes the environment. It's huge. There are so many chemicals involved. The process of making the IC, the integrated circuit, the very backbone of every electronic device manufactured anywhere in the world has to have an integrated circuit that has transistors on it and microscopic technology. And it's made with photolithography. Well, if you know anything about a photograph, how is a photograph? I'm talking about before we had digital photography, folks. How did you develop those photographs? With chemicals. Guess what? The manufacturing of an integrated circuit is done with chemicals. Called chemical resist. Methyl ethyl ketone solvents. You have in these fab units... You have uh, argon, krypton, helium, neon. Oh, yeah, folks. You got all kinds of gases involved in this manufacturing. And all of it can pollute the environment. And the advancement of that technology was only possible because of the software that runs it. Who made the software? That's right, Microsoft and Apple Computers, and a few others, but the primary, yeah, Oracle, and so on, was Microsoft. That's right, folks. They're the ones. That's how Bill Gates made his billions. But you know what? You know what? Now he's going to tell you, because he is the great thinker, you should not eat meat in the developed countries. Just give it up. Stop eating it. It's not good for you. And you, therefore, should make the shift over to soybeans, to wheat. Make the shift to, you know, eat things like tofu. I, I like a good piece of tofu like anybody, but I don't want to subsist on it. Hey, if you put a slab, a big white jiggly blob of tofu in front of me, or drop in front of me a nice, juicy, delicious 
inch and a half or two inch thick New York strip ribeye steak or a T-bone or as my friends south of the border like to say, picaya. And I didn't say it correctly, but (laughs) folks, come on. You're going to choose that meat with a nice fat cap on it, or you're going to choose that jiggly, wormy, shaky, slimy piece of tofu? Look, you know what? Fry up a piece of tofu, braise it in some oil, put it in some, uh, you know, soup. It's pretty good. Okay, I don't dislike it. I like a good miso soup with tofu, and it's delicious. But I don't want to, you know... Ah, what are we having today? Well, we're having tofu. What are we having tomorrow? Tofu. What are we having on Thursday? Tofu. Well, what are we having on Friday? Tofu with a side of kale chips. Oh, I guess we really kicked it up a notch there, didn't we? Well, what are we having on Saturday? Well, we're not going to have tofu, but what we're going to do is we're just going to have fried eggplant. And we're going to call it a steak. Okay, fried eggplant is good. I like eggplant parmigiana, but you can't really have real cheese because that came from an animal. And if the animal had to give up something, then it's slavery. And this is the problem, folks. When you anthropomorphize an animal and make it equal to the human, then you say, well, we can't take the human's milk because we are the the, the cow did not give the milk freely of its own free will. We took it from them. We can't eat the cow because the cow didn't choose to give its life to us. Which makes me think, what is coming next with liberals then? Is it going to be that uh, they want you to eat people? People are a commodity. There's lots of people in the world. Okay, before we get to that, though, what's wrong with these liberals? I never can figure this out. Why why would Bill Gates be so insensitive and other liberals and vegetarians and vegans out there to try to say to the rest of the world, well, first of all, you in the Western world, you know, United States, South America, and and those of you over in Europe and Australia, uh, hey— you have to give up your meat, but we'll, we'll let the, the countries that are underdeveloped, they keep eating their meat. Why? Because you want them to get high cholesterol? Because you want them to get gout? Because their uric acid goes up? Because you want them to get coronary bypass surgery? I can't believe liberals would be so insensitive. Or maybe, okay, that's a little sarcasm there, folks. But the problem is the left always makes the animal elevated in stature. But then they say humans are, well, hey, we can abort babies. We can euthanize living adults and all these kind of things, right? So how, how is it really a stretch to think that one day they could make humans a commodity to be consumed? They already have that attitude. You know, I'll tell you who summed it up best was the great actor Charlton Heston. Gotta tell him. You gotta tell him. Silent Green is people. Yeah, see, Soylent Green is people. Yeah, I recognize it was a really bad B movie sci-fi. You know, okay, and that Moses came down off the mountain and did that movie. <laughs> oh 
Okay, I get it. Soiling green is people. Now that's that's fiction. That's a movie. But sometimes truth is found in fiction. You know, it's not a far stretch to believe that liberals who would so easily throw us humans under the bus and elevate the cow. The cow is so sacred. Well, this is why I don't understand also their insensitivity to plants. Plants are alive. Oh, you thought I forgot about the International Society for the Preservation of Plants' Rights. Well, that was a teaser, but when we come back from this break, I'll actually tell you about that right here on the Impact Radio Show. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. This is Timothy Moore. Timo, I want to thank you so much for listening to the show today. I sure enjoy being with you each and every day on the air. In order for me to continue bringing great content to the show, I need to ask for your generous financial support. To support this artistic expression of free speech, it's easy. Just go to my website, theimpactradioshow.com. That's theimpactradioshow.com. Click on the link to support the show, and there you will go to the GoFundMe page where you can make your support and contribution. Thank you so much for keeping me on the air with your financial blessing. Now more of the Impact Radio Show with Timothy Moore. And welcome back to the Impact Radio Show, where we are paying our very best tribute to the late Rush Limbaugh by being ourselves excellence in broadcasting today on the Impact Radio Show. And we are talking about this story that came out about why you good people that live in the Western world should self-sacrifice and no longer eat any meat. Okay, that's it. Don't you dare pick up that Big Mac there, pal. And I'll tell you what, Roger, put down that crunchy bag of those pork rinds, man. That's it. And you out there, you love to eat your chicken. Yeah, finger licking good. But don't do it. No, no, no. Don't you dare eat that carne asada. And absolutely under no circumstances are you allowed to have spaghetti bolognese because it's got pork, beef, and, oops, cream. Nope. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You're supposed to eat the Impossible Burger. The Impossible Whopper. Really? I'm going to eat a veggie burger instead of that delicious flame-broiled beef. No way, man. I can't do it. So, the thing is, is that now the left side wants to move you to, you know, eat your kale chips, have your salad. You know, look, I like a good salad with a vinaigrette and, you know, maybe some ranch dressing, although they, they would tell me ranch dressing is not vegan. And then, uh, you know, I like my tomatoes. I like my peppers. I love, I look, I love it, okay? Cucumber and everything. You make this delicious salad. Yummy, yummy, yummy. But I always like it with a side of like a ribeye <laughs> or a piece of pepperoni pizza. And now the left's got to tell me you can't have real pepperoni. You can't have this. You can't have that. You can't have black. Can't, can't, can't. Well, I want to supersize my soda pop too. You can't do it. That's too many calories. And then I want to, how are they going to get you to stop eating it? This is the thing that I really frosted me about Bill. 
That is, in the interview Bill Gates did with Anderson Cooper. He said, well, what we hope for is that we can change the hearts and the minds of the consuming public so they no longer want to eat meat because this other alternative product, well, it's just gotten so good that they prefer to eat it over eating the steak. And I'm like, really? Listen, I don't care how many times and ways you try to engineer a piece of soybean or grain, it's never going to taste like a nice juicy piece of protein that came from Bossy the Cow. Okay? Okay, thank you, Bossy. Love the fact that you gave yourself up for me to to have my life be sustained. And uh, anyway, all right. So here's the thing. Now... They try to tell you, well, you know, you need to eat this vegetable product and this and that. With complete and utter in, and, and total, by the way, insensitivity and complete nonsense with regard to the fact that they're insensitive to the plant's rights. Plants have rights. Plants are alive. Okay, Cattle is alive. Chicken is alive. Well, so is a plant. So why should the kale then give up its life or the spinach or the cucumber? How do we know it doesn't feel pain just because it doesn't cry out? So that's why I decided to start the International Society for the Preservation of Plants' Rights. Oh, this is for real, folks. I'm going to start this thing, and the motto will be don't eat anything. You see, mankind is a blight on the planet. But the great thing about the International Society for the Preservation of Plants rights because they have to have rights because they do have rights they need to have them if they're not given them is that we will go ahead and because liberals are so pro just giving away everything for free i know that we'll get lots of funding for this okay and then what we'll do is we'll have our free giveaways and i wrote a few of them down you see i think that uh one of the things we could give out for free and we could get these really cheap probably get them made in china nooses you see everybody gets a noose who joins the international society for the preservation of plants rights but you know what if you're not you don't want to use a noose yeah because the whole point is for you to off yourself because you are a blight on the planet okay don't eat anything which means don't eat don't breathe no 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 You can't eat meat. You can't eat vegetables. No, because vegetables are a life too. Then if you don't want to hang yourself, well, then what you could do is uh, we'll give you a free free gun by which the barrel and the muzzle is backwards. And it comes with a free bullet, and you can use that, just point, but then it shoots you because it's pointed backwards. (laughs) Okay, or, or, Oh, actually, I forgot something there. Okay, so so the, the reason, by the way, that I think uh, the backward barrel firearm is better is because then we could also have a free giveaway of large terracotta pots that have some nice organic soil in it. And then when you off yourself and fall down into the pot of soil you will just sort of decay into organic matter. But not yet, because first you have to do a three-week cleanse, a detox. And we'll have special things you could eat that will detox your body first 
before you fall into the soil, which has been already potted and planted with organic chia seeds. Chia-chia-chia-chia! <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what, folks. You think that I'm being silly, and you would be right. But this is exactly the way they see it, okay? The left side actually thinks you are a blight on the earth. Oh, not them, not the leftists, only you conservatives. You see, the world would be a better place if you get rid of the Rush Limbaugh's and the Tim Moore's and the Rogers and, and uh, you know, no Timo's. We don't need no men of excellence. Oh, God forbid, let's get rid of all y'all. Okay, and if you think I'm wrong about that, you should read the comments from the left side about Rush Limbaugh. Comments like, you know, I'm glad he lived long enough to get cancer and die. I mean, can you imagine that? And that's not the only thing, by the way. They said all kinds of that stuff. One of them said, you know, uh, feel bad for the people in hell because they got to spend time with Rush Limbaugh, you know, for an eternity, he said. I mean, seriously, and over and over. I read like a, a couple dozen of them. And these were all tweets. Oh, by the way, Jack Dorsey, you planning on shutting down any of those accounts? Wondering. Yeah, because I think that's inflammatory rhetoric. I, I don't know. What do you think, Roger? Is that inflammatory rhetoric? Hello? Sounds like it to me. Yeah, sounds like it to me, too. You know, the thing is, folks, we're, we're, we're kind of here having a little fun uh, with all that, with the don't eat meat and isn't that, that. Except it's not really a joke. This is really the way they think. The Green New Deal types out there. I mean, you've got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming out now, AOC, and saying, well, you know, if we'd had a Green New Deal, all this, you know, power outage stuff and everything in Texas wouldn't have happened. What? How, AOC? By building more windmills that can freeze? Because that's what happened. They froze and stopped working, so they weren't generating any more power. Because half of the power generated in the state of Texas on its own independent power grid is renewable resource energy, and the other is from fossil fuels. But you see, sometimes this technology has its vulnerabilities, and we learned that, didn't we? I'm not saying that we can't find a way to overcome those limitations, but it's not going to be true always that fossil fuels are bad. Actually, they save lives. But then if you don't care about the lives, which is what the left side is about, because they elevate the animal as being more important than the human Folks, you got to wake up and see the way things really are in the real world. This isn't fantasy land at Disneyland. This is real land, United States of America, where the cuckoos in the asylum now run the institution, a.k.a. Joe Biden, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. And you're going to entrust your future to these people? And then a younger generation that already is more than willing to off the older generation. Just get rid of them. Hey, you had your time, old, you know, man. Now it's my time, they would say. 
I mean, I will tell you something about younger people that think like that. Hey, got news for you. This is not like the movie. Um, see, I knew I would forget the name of the movie, but it was the one, uh, you know, the where they were floating all around and then they got zapped and they never lived past 30. And it had, I uh, see, this is, I can see every actor in my head, Roger. And I can't think of any of their names. We're going to find out during the break anyway, and I'll tell you when we come back. But here's the thing, folks. It's not like that. Well, you just live till 30, and then you get zapped by some laser beam to make way for the next generation. People actually live until, like, in their 80s now. And that means you, millennial, might live even longer. You know why? Because you're going to give up your meat, and you're going to eat only vegetables. Except I will prevent that through the international... Society for the Preservation of Plants. Right, it's okay. Anyway, <laughs> okay, Demo's losing it here, folks. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, a more kinder, gentler, and sensible Timo will return right here in a few minutes. And now we are returning to the kinder, gentler, the Impact Radio Show with none other than Timo and Roger in the booth. And, okay, we went to the break, folks, and I said I couldn't remember the name of the movie. Uh, the movie that I was thinking of was Logan's Run. And I believe it was, uh, oh, I don't know, like 1976, something like that. And it was portraying what humanity would be like in the year 2274. And you had a Peter Ustinov was in it, Richard Jordan, Michael York, and so on. And uh, well, even Farrah Fawcett was in there. And, uh, well, the thing was, the whole premise of the movie was that when your little uh, sensor you had in your wrist, went from white to red you had to turn yourself in and then they did this this ceremony that everybody celebrated but you would basically be floating up into a beam that would then just zap you into non-existence and it was a utopian society where nobody grew old but of course they escape the dome out into the world and they come upon washington dc and the first thing they see is abraham lincoln on the in the memorial there, and they're like, what are those lines on his face? <laughs> well, here's the thing, folks. That's just it, right? You're going to get older. You're going to get lines. You're going to get all these things. That's true. So you youth out there that think it'll never happen to you, because we always think that when we're young, I'll never get old. I'm going to live forever. And it's like, guess what? You're not going to live forever you are actually going to get old you're going to get wrinkled you're going to get back aches and pains you're going to get uh, osteoarthritis and get and you can eat vegan until the end of eternity and i promise you you will still age get old and die so it really is a question of do you want to eat a juicy t-bone steak and die with a satisfied mind and heart and life? Or do you want to eat vegan, impossible burgers and Beyond Meats 
and tofu for the rest of your life and soybeans and kale chips and all this <laughs> kale chips. Every time I say that, I crack up. I'm like, believe me, folks, why would I eat a kale chip over a potato chip? Okay, number one. Okay, and, and number two, why do I even care about kale? I, kale, have you ever eaten kale? You can salt it. You can put vinegar on it. You can put oil on it. You can't. You know the only way that kale will actually taste good is if you put a steak on top of it. <laughs> okay? Use it as a garnish because it tastes terrible. You can tell yourself all day long that it tastes good. It actually doesn't. There just are some things that, like, they're not really for human consumption. All right? Uh, okay, I'm not saying, okay, if you want to have wheatgrass and drink that and, and you're all that and look at me and my health and my vitality, that's what Jim Fix did too, and then he died of a heart attack, okay? I mean, folks, the thing is, and this is another thing, how many vegans are out there until they have their first taste of carne asada, right? And then they're like, yeah, I'm going to give up my vegan lifestyle because this carne asada with that salsa on it, oh, yeah. And you know what? If I'm going to go vegetarian, a salsa is a good way to do it as long as it's on meat. Okay? Chicken, beef, pork. Hey, I'm, all, I'm good with all of it. You know that? In this case, I actually agree with uh, George Orwell's Animal Farm. Four legs are good. <laughs> and be respectful, by the way, of your animals. Always use the highest quality marinade, folks. Okay, look, you're going to respect the animal. Then don't use the cheap stuff. Spend some money on the high-quality marinade. All right, folks, now look. Okay, I'm being tongue-in-cheek about all of this. But it shows you again how the left side always wants to dictate to you, oh, you rich people, the rich countries, you ought to give up eating your meat. Why should I have to give up eating my meat? Why? Why? What, what, what is the point and purpose of that? Actually, today, more than ever, the way that we manufacture and grow and raise our cattle, our pigs, our sheep, our chickens, they're actually way healthier than they were in days of the past. Because we can be more aware of the good fats and a higher oily oleanic acid, I think that's how you say it, content within the meat than having higher cholesterols. We can actually control that. Or we can even go the other way where like, hey, you ever had a good cut of Wagyu or Kobe beef? It's, it's pretty amazing, folks. Now, I'll tell you what, you take any vegetarian or vegan and give them a slab of Kobe beef or Wagyu, They'll never be vegetarian again. I'm serious. There's just something so amazing about it. And when it's done in a sustainable way. Even fish, salmon is delicious. And it's actually healthy for you. Those omega-6 oils and omega-3s and all that. Now, yeah, you get some of that from flaxseed and other things too. So eat both things. It's fine. But, you know, like I said, when you anthropomorphize an animal and make it equal to the human and then say, well, just eat your vegetables. And I really say, you know, life is life. So, yes, plants are life, too. They're a different, 
they're just different life, but they're still life. Well, we still have to cut the wheat, take the fruit from the trees, do all this. We have to do it and consume it to live. And you know, the first time when you eat a, a really well-cooked, well-roasted piece of high-quality beef or chicken or lamb or pork or whatever, and by the way, I love lamb. Lamb, oh, lamb curries are fantastic. Now, Indian food happens to be the one cuisine in the world, I think, where I could probably be vegan, vegetarian, eating Indian food. I love the way they use the spices and all that. But it's actually even better when you get a vindaloo, which is made with either a beef. See, not all beef is sacred in India, by the way. And or lamb. And you get a good lamb curry. And a good chutney, oh my goodness, with that mint or that uh, raita, I think it's called. Anyway, oh, it's delicious, folks. And then I like to wash it down with a mango lassi. Oh, see, there are just some things that just make life worth living. And that kind of good cuisine is it. But you take away the meat, nah, I can't live like that. And I think most of you can't either. And just as the left is so willing to destroy the lives of those who worked on the Keystone Pipeline, oh, they'll destroy an entire industry of cattle ranchers, chicken ranchers, all of that. You think they won't do it? You think they care about the emu? You think they care about the llamas? You think they care about the chickens? You think that no, They don't care about any of that. They don't. They don't care about the people whose livelihoods depend on those industries. All right, folks, we got to take a break. When we come back, we will come back tomorrow. <laughs> Why just telling me, what do you mean going to a break? We're done. All right, so with that, folks, remember, inside of you is the unlimited capacity to do great things. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Bye now. been listening to the impact radio show with timothy moore keep the conversation going on facebook and twitter at the impact radio show visit the show's website the impact the impact radio show heard monday through friday 4 p.m right here on kkpz 1330 the truth